This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. John, you mentioned uh, genetic modification. I guess yeah, CRISPR, yeah. whatever CRISPR. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you knew this that Kelsey and I we we did this. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, when we had Emerson, she wanted to to kind of get all the good genes, you know, and make the perfect baby, the super baby. So and she cloned herself. Pretty much, actually. <laughs> what happened was they they pretty much eliminated most of my genes and. Uh, yeah, pretty much just 100% she's a, she's Kelsey. She's just 100% Kelsey. Yeah, she's, it's she's really... a mini me to Kelsey. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny that now that you say that. That's, that's a joke, of course. But uh, the funny thing that you say is if you take away all the genes of the other person, then essentially it's almost, it's a clone. It is. Essentially. Well, okay. Essentially, it's exactly what it is. Okay, cool. Well, let's, <laughs> let's go with that. Uh, well, welcome back. So uh, we're in episode um, 56, I think, of the podcast. We're in the series uh, God Questions. Yeah. This question is, did Jesus rise from the dead? That was the question. And it was a great question. And you used a lot of different uh, kind of sources to 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 support that. But I think what I've kind of found interesting is that you use certain books of the Bible, not other books of the Bible, yeah. to support it. And first of all, why did you... So it looks like you you reject... Not rejected yeah, the please gospel. Don't, yeah. Please John, don't say I'm rejecting a part of the Bible. John rejects the... No, he, he... Actually, you didn't use the gospels. I did not. Why is that? What was strategic about that? Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of... The reason that I did it, and, and this is really important because... Um, you know, part of part of my goal in the sermon on Sunday wasn't just to convince the already convinced that Jesus rose from the dead, but to also give tools to people so that as they interact with others in that might have this question that might think that, you know, resurrection is just too hard of a thing to believe. Um that they would have the tools to maybe to maybe have some conversations about this with people that in in a way that that people would be able to accept what they're saying without um, some of the common objections that that are out there because a lot of times what people say is well you can't you know prove me prove to me the the resurrection but don't use the Bible or something like that well that's kind of ridiculous on on a number of levels one because the Bible what we have in the Bible consists of the best sources that are available it's not it's not about it being a holy book it's about it uh, the, the eyewitness. Um, it's testimony that we have to the resurrection and that's and where do we find it we find it in the bible because those books were written by people who were close enough to either either directly eyewitnesses themselves or close enough to other people but the gospels a lot of scholars who are skeptics will say that um they weren't written by who they claim to be written by so matthew wasn't written by matthew mark wasn't you know and so on and or and or that they're written much later than um than, than the late 50s or the early 60s. And so the, so some of them will say they're, they're not only are they not written by who they claim to be written by, but they're much later. So they're not, in other words, they, they're not eyewitness testimony. But with with Paul, with for, with uh, with Paul, we have six books that, that basically every scholar, skeptic or not, atheist or not, uh, accept. And 1 Corinthians, which we used, and Galatians, which we used, are, are two of those books. So kind of, it sounds like what you're saying is obviously we don't have a time machine to go back to to verify with yeah, our own yeah, eyes. We don't, we don't have any video. We don't, you know. So it sounds like what 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 
responsible uh, histor- historians will do is they'll look at, at a certain texts. Uh-huh. In this case, the text that that they look that that they even agree on is the Bible is actually a historical document, um, and certain aspects of the Bible are accepted by. Yes. Secular scholars. As, sor- as good, credible sources. Even, you know, they might not accept everything in the, in the, in the Bible, but they will accept those letters written by Paul. And, and quite honestly, you know, first Corinthians was written right around 55, give or take a couple of years, which is earlier than the gospels. Even if you can, even if you are, uh, believe in early date, early dates, as far as the writing of the gospels, even if you believe in those early dates, which, which we would, um, First Corinthians was still written before that. Gotcha. So it's, so it's even earlier than the Gospels as far as its writing is concerned anyways. And then the creed we looked at was was way earlier than all of it. Um, so that's so that's why we, we kind of looked at that because those are basically accepted by everybody um, who who understands the, the, you know, who has studied that material and studied that, that uh, whether they're historians or New Testament scholars or whatever, those, they all accept that. Gotcha. Okay, that's that kind of smart thing. So you said six books were, were are accepted by Paul. Yeah. Why aren't they all? I mean, obviously, it's just probably just different, different reasons. I'm sure, but yeah, it is different reasons. A lot of it often has to do with uh, the language that's used, um, and so they they some scholars would argue that there's a stylistic difference in some of the letters that are claimed to have been written by Paul, and because of that stylistic difference, they will they'll say, hey, you know, you know, we know the, of the books we absolutely hundred percent know were written by Paul. There's a stylistic difference between, you know, like a first and second Corinthians or Romans or Galatians, um, you know, and say uh, like a second Thessalonians or, or something like that. And, and so they'll say because of that stylistic difference, they they say, well, we don't think that that was written by Paul, um, which is really good answers to all that. I think I think we can say with very good confidence that all the books that are claimed to have been written by Paul and the epistles that were, were written by Paul. I think we can say that as as uh, with, with a good deal of confidence as Christians, you know, we, we can have confidence in that. But but liberal and skeptical scholars will sometimes try to try to argue some of the books, but they won't argue like first, second Corinthians, Romans, Galatians, you know, books like that. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I think it's kind of cool because the Bible kind of holds up against extreme criticism. Yeah, and it's absolutely. Not, it's just not one of those documents that, well, here's here's the Bible and and here's, you know, all these religious crazy people just accept it as truth. There are actual critics and skeptics who are theologians or uh, um, what, what do you call it? historians this, yeah scholars historians, historians New Testament scholars yep. who will scrutinize the Absolutely. Bible and they'll and they'll accept a majority of it and not all of it I think that you know for us it's like well why not all of it I guess maybe I'll ask you that why wouldn't they accept it all is it because it takes faith or do you think it's because <laughs> yeah I mean so anytime you look at history you know you're looking at things differently and I'm not necessarily a historian per se um, but anytime you look at ancient history, if you have two good sources on something, that's that's like really pretty good. I mean, you even go back to, um, you know, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow as we record this. Right. And so Thanksgiving, you go back to um, um, even the first Thanksgiving. There's like we have two sources on the first Thanksgiving, hmm. but everybody, 100 percent of everybody says, oh, yeah, it's that not, totally yeah, happened. We accept that. Now. But but we have um, a wide variety of 
sources regarding Jesus' life and his and his death and his resurrection, those kinds of things. And yet there is all this kind of scrutiny. So we have really strong historical evidence for the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Um, but people will come to that with often a materialistic or naturalistic um, worldview and basically say, well, you know, the gospels record like miraculous type things and therefore we, you know, we can't, we can't believe those things. But even people from the J- Jesus seminar, um, what's a know, Jesus seminar? G- Jesus seminar was a group of, of scholars, if you will, that kind of got together. They were all liberal or skeptics and they kind of went through the gospels and, and highlighted, and you can even look this up online and look at the Bible and the, the different highlights of colors and things like that. And, and I forget which, which color stands for which, but you know, the, they would highlight things that almost certainly happened in one color, things that are somewhat questionable, in another color, things that they think are highly unlikely in another color and so on. And so they would highlight all the gospels in this way. Um, and they, and, and they went through and uh, a lot of the miraculous types of things they took out. But one of the, what's interesting about that, but is even they will accept at least parts of the gospel mm-hmm. uh, as, as being true, but, um, and reliable and things like that. But I, I think we have Craig Blomberg, who we've had speak here at Grace, um, wrote a book that's still really, really, really good about, about the reliability. I forget the exact title right now, but, but, you know, can we still trust or the, the gospels or something like that? And, and, and we can absolutely can and should, and he offers a great defense of that. Um, but even these liberal skeptics who kind of come with an already predetermined idea that nothing miraculous can happen. Therefore, everything miraculous is questionable. And so that's kind of how they approach it from the beginning. Yeah. And so our worldview does affect how we interpret things. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you, you know, to, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? I mean, it's kind of the, kind of how you see things. So in other words, if you come with these presuppositions about how things are, well, and, and you say, nope, this is the way the world is. And you're not open to going where the evidence leads you, then you're going to, you're going to find what you, your presuppositions tell you you're going to find. But it's still encouraging. I think it's encouraging. I, I think it's so encouraging to, to see skeptics say, no, that part of this is real. This yeah. is legit. And this it's like, legit. wow. And, and to, and to even honor it as a historic, as a historical document, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. Um, so John, you had, you probably gave one of your best uh, three point outlines I've ever <laughs> three point sermons I've ever oh, yeah. I've ever heard oh, you wow. give. That's interesting. Yeah. So the three points were living dead living. Yeah. Or something easy like to remember, that. Right? Yeah. Not so, something like that. It was pretty much exactly, exactly that. like that. Yeah. So basically your point one is Jesus was living. Yeah. Uh, point two was he was dead. And point three was he was living again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there you go. So that's pretty good. Hey, even I remember that. So uh so first uh point he was living, and the second point he died. So while Jesus was dead. Where was his soul, John? Uh, yeah, that's that's a good, good question, question, huh? Well, people argue about this, right? And so I, I don't know that you're, I'm going to give a real. Um, this okay. is going to be one of my political sidestepping the question kind of okay. answers. It's hard. It's hard uh, answer, huh? Yeah, it's a hard answer. Um, I, I I don't exactly know what you know. I think I think you go you, you probably the generic way of saying it without committing too much is um, that Jesus' soul went to the place of the dead. <laughs> How's that? Okay. Um, but so some people, you know, Apostles Creed, for instance, talks about him descending into hell. And uh, that is the Apostles Creed is not biblical. It's based on tradition and, and theological understanding. Um, and for many, that the, the idea of Jesus going to going, you know, his soul going to hell for those three days to fight, right, to to 
or yeah, or to preach, so to speak, yeah, okay. um, is is pretty standard. I think there's some problems with that from a biblical perspective. You know, the thief that he died next to on the cross, well, he said to the thief, "I will be with you in paradise when today, tonight, yeah, today." And so, and so, I think that that creates some problems for that. Um, some people have answers for that, and and I don't. I, I'm kind of non-committal a little bit on that. I don't know exactly where his soul went. Mm-hmm. I, to me, that's that's a little bit. Of a mystery, yeah, it's a little bit of a mystery, and and it's not that that important that I know that. Um, but he conquered sin and death. It talks about that in First Corinthians fifteen, right? And so, so there is a sense in which I think you can say his soul went to the place of the dead, and his resurrection was a conquering of death. Um, so whatever that, whatever exactly that means, I think it can be up for debate, and we can have differing opinions about. Well, I think, I think it's very wise to always say, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, instead of, I've seen where people will form an opinion and just to have an opinion. Yeah. And I get there's some, maybe a security in that. Yeah. Um, but we can't know everything. And so um, yeah. I think it's good to say, you know what, I'm not quite sure. But checking against scripture, I don't see how this could, you know, I think that's yeah. always a good idea. Uh, so what, what actually raised him from the dead? So he's... Power, I'm assuming he's powerless. It's, you know, I don't know. He's well, I don't know why you'd dead. say that. Well, I guess he's still, go ahead. And so my thing is, is I guess if his, if his soul is still, I guess that's what I think. If you're dead, you're dead, but the soul is still living. So yeah, well, that's the interesting thing about mm-hmm. death, right? Unless you, unless you believe death is a ceasing to exist of some kind, then, then I don't think there's any reason to think that he was powerless. Um, However, you know, you've had the, you have the Godhead, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, one in essence, three persons, one in, one in essence. Um, so was God, the Father and God, the Holy Spirit involved in the resurrection? I would say, yeah, I think probably was Jesus involved in the resurrection through in, in his power as well. I would say, yeah, I think probably. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know that I can tell you like, hey, it, here's here's the source of, or here's a video. Watch yeah, this. Yeah, here's a video. Watch it. Yeah. But, but here's what we know. Um, you know, and and I forget which gospel I think it is. It's, I think it's Matthew where where it says that like an angels removed the stone or something like that. Um, you know, so we're so there was a sense in which they were involved in the process, they moving the stone. Um, but as far as what breathed life into that body again, um, I'm not sure. I, kn- I I'm not sure I know that and. And but nevertheless, it was Jesus who rose from the dead. Um, so whether that was the Holy Spirit working, working in, in that moment, I, I think that's that's fine uh, to say that. But it was God. I think that's the more generic way of saying it. And and you'd be right. <laughs> and that's kind. Of, and that's kind of the, the. I think you you shed some light on this. And I I forgot what the significance was. But that Lazarus was raised from the dead before Jesus was raised. Yeah. But it wasn't his power that raised him, which which is the big deal, right? Exactly. It has to be the the significance of Christ being risen again is the fact that he, he, he conquered his, he conquered death. He did, yeah. not someone else. Yeah. Lazarus oh. didn't conquer death. That was that was somebody Jesus, did that to him. Jesus helped him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, let me ask you a, a question. Do you think you can be a Christian and not believe or care that Jesus was even raised from the dead. So let's just say like, I'm not, I don't even care. Like, yeah, I'm still a Christian. doesn't matter if he raised from the dead or not. I still believe that I still, still love him. I still follow him. Do you think you can be a Christian or do you think it's significance or what do you, what do you think about that? No, let me, let me see if I can be abundantly clear on this. Okay. 
you absolutely cannot be a Christian if you do not believe Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> is why that, is, is that, that pretty clear? Yeah, yeah. Why okay. is that? Here, here's why. Because um, there is no there is no conquering of sin and death, and that's the whole point of of the of, of the resurrection. Right? Is that he conquered death when he rose from the dead, and death entered the world through Adam and and resurrection through the second Adam or Jesus Christ. And so, so when Adam sinned, and Adam and Eve sinned. Death entered the world. That was the whole point of that garden story. You go back to Genesis, you know, um, Genesis three, and now the whole point of that story was was that sin and death entered the world when Adam and Eve rejected um, what God had given them by eating of that forbidden fruit of the fruit of the of the tree of. of knowledge of good and evil. And so, and so the whole point of Jesus conquering death is, is, is his undoing or redeeming of the, the results of what happened when Adam uh, sinned. And so it talks about in several places in the scriptures, but first Corinthians 15 being one of them that, that, you know, death came through Adam, but life comes through Jesus. And it, you know, that's, and that's in multiple places, uh, especially in Paul's writings. Um, but but we we saw that certainly in First Corinthians fifteen, the passage we looked at, to, at at on Sunday as well. And so no, the resurrection is essential. Otherwise, you're just following a good moral teacher. Now, if you want to say I follow Jesus in the sense that I listen to his teachings, well, you don't listen to all of them because if you go back two weeks, we yeah. asked the question, "Is Jesus God?" And one of the things we said is that Jesus claimed to be divine. He claimed to be one with the Father. He literally said, "I and the Father are one." And so. So we have this idea that you can't follow, you can decide I'm going to follow some of the teachings of Jesus, and that's fine. And maybe you would be, you know, maybe a moral uh, deist or, or something like that. Like, you know, I want to live a moral life, and maybe you believe in God. You just don't believe Jesus resurrected from the dead. And, okay, that's fine, but you're not a Christian. There's, there's, no, there's something no, else. There's no value. I mean, there's no value in that, in, in following a, a teacher. Only only in in the immediate good of being moral, okay. maybe, perhaps, but, but there's no eternal value. Hmm. Well, John, put your scientist cap on for a second I'm not here. a scientist, but okay. I'll do my best. Put, put your scientist uh, uh, fake cap on. Okay. Uh, can science support a resurrection? Can science support a resurrection? Um, I mean, let, we, let me okay. let me approach it from this angle. I think I know. I think it's a really good question. Uh, I think I, I don't know science. I don't think science can support a resurrection, but it cannot. It, let, let me put it this way: science cannot prove a resurrection uh, happened, and it can't prove a resurrection did not happen. It's 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 the wrong question to ask of the wrong discipline if that makes sense. And so, so science can answer a lot of questions. It can answer why things are the way they are in the universe for the most part. It can answer, um, you know, how, or I should, should, put, should put it this way. Science can answer how the universe functions, but it cannot answer how the universe, for instance, came into being. It can't answer that. It tries to. It comes up with this Big Bang Theory, but even the Big Bang Theory presupposes some kind of pre-existing um, material and energy. And so then you still have to ask the question, where did that come from? And so science can't answer that question. A science can't answer the question, how did we get life from non-life? It can't answer that question. Those are huge questions that can't be answered by science. It's attempted to answer, but it's the wrong question for the wrong discipline. Mm -hmm. So... 
So, so when you ask about the resurrection, uh, you can ask about it from a historical perspective, which is kind of what we did on Sunday, is we asked about it from a historical perspective. Did it happen from a historical perspective? Yep, it happened. Can science determine how it happened? Only if it was the result of materialistic and naturalistic causes. But we would contend that it was supernatural causes. And because it's supernatural causes, science can't can't ask or can't can't answer supernatural questions. It goes beyond nature. It it transcends nature. That's why I would call it super. (laughs) Yeah. Natural, and miraculous. Right? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't work. And see, some people go, "Well, that how can that how can that happen?" Well, if you have a force outside of the material universe that that impacts the material universe, then that's how it happens. Mm. And if God created the the material universe and He is a spirit, He is not physical in that sense. Then He can He can He can do that. And so it's a, an external force that is not materialistic or naturalistic. John, you, you kind of brought up to me just uh, on a side note that, and I could be speaking incorrectly, but that there are skeptics that do explain the resurrection. They, they come up with different they theories. Tend to, yeah. So that that's kind of sounds like to me that, you know, there is this evidence that is very valid to them. Yes. So they have to defend exactly it. Exactly right. They have to defend it and attack it essentially. Yeah. So what, what theories might they use to explain why there, there is a resurrection? Yeah, this is a really good question, and this is this tells you it's a good the question. strength of it's the your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it is, it's a question I emailed you and told me that. Yeah, yeah, it's a good me. question. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it does. Here's here's the interesting part about this because the attempt to find other explanations tells you the strength of the historic evidence. Yeah, because you have to fight it. Yeah, because you have to go. Wait a minute. This historically looks like this happened. So there's got to be some other explanation, right? So so they come up with uh, the one I mentioned on Sunday. Was um, was uh, hallucinations? Hallucinations. Yeah. Thank you. And hallucinations. And and so I listen. You did listen. Yeah. That's good. Um, and and that the problem with hallucinations, you know, that the disciples just hallucinated these things. One is that you have you have in the midst of these disciples people who were skeptics, right? Like so, you have Thomas who is an, a, a skeptic and and literally wanted to uh, touch Jesus in order to confirm his um, confirmed that he had resurrected. And so so you have a person who didn't want, didn't believe that Jesus had resurrected, even though others had told him that, that he did. He says, no, I'm not going to believe it unless I put my fingers in his wounds, right? And and then he has this experience. And so so skeptic to have a hallucination that something did happen that the skeptic doesn't already believe happened, you know, that, that says something about the nature of the hallucination, right? But also you have... As I mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15, you have three people and three groups. So Jesus appeared to three groups of people. Well, groups of people don't have hallucinations together. It's never, ever happened. There's never been a recorded instance where, where people have shared in a, in a hallucination. It's a person has a, a hallucination that they can tell you about it, but you don't get to share in it. And so this is, this is um, you know, if you, if you believe in science, this is scientifically impossible. If, if, you, if, you know, if you're a big science guy and that's your big question about the, the, the resurrection, what people don't rise from the dead, science can't show that. Well, science can't prove your show, theory, either. Prove, yeah. prove your theory yeah. if you believe in the hallucination theory either. Which is okay. We don't mind using a non-scientific supernatural means to prove your, you know, your right. theory. But then why come up with the hallucination theory exactly. as opposed to the if resurrection theory? Yeah. Um, so, so it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. So, so then, so that's one of them. 
Um, the, the other, and, and the other thing with the hallucination theory is you still have an empty grave. Hmm. Okay. If, if they hallucinated, then I'll just present them with the body. And, and show us where the body is. Yeah. I mean, they put guards in front of the body to make sure that because Jesus had predicted he was going to rise from the dead, yeah, they, were they watching all him. knew it. And, and, they, and they went and they said, look, if those disciples try to steal that body. And that was the thing, steal. Right. Not so, that he was going to rise. Which reminds you of what movie, by the way? What's that? What, what does the whole steal the body movie remind you of like in the, in the I think it was in the 80s? Oh, no idea. We get at Bernie's. Well, they never stole the body. But well, they, but they walked around with him like but it was an illusion. Yeah, it was an it, illusion. It was, here's this dead guy they hung out with. Where they kept their boss alive. Maybe or, that's well, what they, they did, John. It, right? Maybe that's what they did. Yeah, right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe strange. We get at Bernie's. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, for, for the that people who are old enough to remember that. That would be more realistic. Yeah, right? But, uh, you know, so that's what they were scared of. They were scared of Weekend at Bernie's is what they were scared of. So they literally put armed guards and probably, I think a Roman guard probably, even though it was a Roman guard that probably was under the authority of the Jews. Um, and, and they put a Roman guard saying, protect this grave. We put the body in that grave, you know. Um, and, and so they put not only the stone, not only did they seal it, they put the guards in front of it. And, and they basically said, make sure they don't steal the body because the last thing we need is a resurrection that all these predictions, yeah. that these predictions come true. And so, um, and so they, they, they put guards there. But here's, here's the thing about the stolen body thing. Let's just assume for, the sec- for a second that that's what happened, that somehow the disciples stole the body. And, and danced him around. And, and danced him around. And him every, yeah. You still have Paul, a persecutor of the church and a skeptic of, of Christianity and the resurrection, who has an encounter with the risen Jesus and then totally transforms his life. And he doesn't just transform his life and then it's a better life. It's a worse life. He gets beaten. He gets thrown in jail. He gets you know, beaten within an inch of his life multiple times. I mean, he, he goes over this in 2 Corinthians. You know, he talks about... Uh, a couple times, but in Second Corinthians, one of the places he goes over this and, and goes, "I've suffered, I've suffered, and suffered, and suffered, and suffered." So he suffers for this. And you look at the disciples, and the and and the majority of them died a martyr's death. They were killed because of their belief about the resurrection. So if it's a weekend at Bernie's thing where they knew he was dead, but they stole the body. And it comes down to the point of we are going to kill you. We're going to, Peter, we're going to crucify you uh, upside down on a cross. Why wouldn't you just say, oh, just kidding. I I recant. I know he wasn't. I, I know he didn't rise from the dead because I was part of stealing the body. Yeah. Right. Those like, are all well, lunatics. Maybe they're all lunatics, John. Well, okay. But lunatics is not the result of a stolen body. Yeah. That's still, that's a delusional thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so they're not... You so and it wasn't it wasn't just Peter. Several of the disciples. Some even think John, although John was probably died of old age. But there are there are few reports of 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 John out. You know, non biblical type reports that John Mar- was martyred too. But but and then you and then you've got Polycarp, and Polycarp. I'm gonna see if I get this right. Polycarp was a disciple of John, I think. I think okay. it was John. It was John or Peter. Anyways, he was he was a disciple of one of the disciples. So the disciples had disciples. So Polycarp died a martyr's death. He had access to one of the eyewitnesses, right? So if this was a, a big scam, there's a good chance that Polycarp would have known it too. But he also died a martyr's death. So you have these disciples who, if they stole the body, if it was a big hoax, 
Then they went to the grave and died and were tortured and were thrown in prison for this hoax. Yeah. That doesn't sound quite right. What about, so yeah, do you have another theory too, or is that the other theory, the stolen well, body? So, so some people, um, yeah, I mean, that, that some people come up with some other theories. There's, you know, of course, the Muslims believe that it was a uh, fake or a it, was, it wasn't Jesus that died on the cross. I think, I think that that's an incredibly difficult theory to, uh, to support. I, I don't know how that, and, and if it wasn't Jesus, then why didn't Jesus just to go, here I am, I'm right here, you know? I mean, what, what would cause him to, to fake that? Why would, the, why would the Muslims not want him to die on the cross? Well, because, because his resurrection would mean that he might actually be the divine oh, eternal gotcha. God, mm-hmm. and Muhammad's wrong. But the Quran, which is where it says that he only appeared to, to die on the cross, the Quran also gets the Trinity wrong. So the Quran also says that the Trinity is God the Father, Mary, and Jesus. Well, that's not the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a huge error, which has always baffled me a little bit. That that this isn't so obvious uh, to people that that this is a this is, because it's trying to describe it's denying the Trinity and saying this is what the Christians believe the Trinity is, but it's not what we believe the Trinity is. Mm-hmm. The, the Trinity is, the, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three persons, one essence. That's the Trinity. But that's not how the Quran. So there's a huge error, really significant error in, in the Quran in another place. And then it says that he appeared to die on a cross, which is another huge, obviously, historical error. Mm. And, and it was written 600 years later. So, um, which is undisputed. That's not, that's not in question. So. So, so there's that one. So, you know, some people come up with the, the wrong grave theory, but that doesn't fit the historical evidence either. Um, you know, if, if it's, you know, if they put him in the wrong grave, well, um, Joseph of Arimathea offered his grave. He knew where it was. As you read the, as you read the gospels, it actually looks like he accompanied them to the burial site. Um, it's it's if, if it was the wrong, if there's a wrong grave, I mean, you've got a Roman guard that's, that's escorting, you know, and guarding the body. And the women knew where the grave was. They saw him buried. They tried to go back to the same place. Like there's too many confirmations. Government employees, you know, they're not always the best, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) even the threat of death, because he would have died if he gave up his, gave up the body. Right. So, uh, And, and even if it was wrong grave, how does that explain the resurrection appearances? It yeah. doesn't. You still have the resurrection appearance. You just have a missing body. You just you just have a body you can't find, but you wouldn't have resurrection appearances mm-hmm. and you'd still have those. So there's those are some of the theories. There's probably a few others, but those are some of the some of the theories and none of them fit the fa- fit the facts that we know. Well, it sounds like when it comes to obviously when it comes to even just Christianity in general or mm-hmm. just encountering God, whatever that means, um, there is a, a lot of we we start out with a certain you know, disposition or belief or whatever worldview that we have. And God is always constantly changing it. And we need to adapt to that and, and embrace whatever we, maybe not, may won't feel natural in the beginning, but you should kind of like, okay, no, this makes sense. Cause you know, I like going back to the beginning, talking about how, if, even if you don't know the answer, you'll, yeah. uh, you know, you'll seek and, and maybe either say, I don't know, or if, if something gets revealed, you will change your, your thinking on it. Yeah. And I think you pull up a great quote, which kind of, just, I was a great quote. It was uh, Abdu Murray. Yeah. Uh, he was a former Shiite Muslim. This is yeah. your quote that you used. Yeah. It says, I often put it this way. The reason it took me nine years is not that the answers were hard to find. I actually found them fairly early. I wrestled with them for years. The answers aren't hard to find, but they are hard to accept. Yeah. And that's kind of the biggest thing is the accepting 
truth is what's so hard. And you see people attacking it and attacking it and attacking it and even feel like they need to defend it because yeah. it is historically accurate. Instead of just saying, you know what? No, I'm just going to accept it. And that's hard to do. It is. You know, and I can't explain why someone would accept it and someone would reject it. Right. But there is there is that tension there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the evidence is there. It's good evidence. Um, I think some people worship at the altar of science. As a matter of fact, I've been noticing this a lot lately as I, you know, scroll through Facebook or whatever. And it's like science proves. And, I, you know, I'm always like, huh, that's interesting. Science proves, you know, this, I, whatever it is about that they're trying to confirm. And, and, and so often people think that science does lacks, you know, it's objective. There's no subjective part of science, which is false. Um, just in science, just like everything else, there's an interpretation of data. And that interpretation is where the subjective part comes in. And, and, and it also includes people, you know, human error. There's still fallen people, people who are imperfect that are looking at the data. People are imperfect. A little bit of a bias. Not only is there a bias, but then it also, it also says it almost as if science is like some kind of deity. I think that there are, I think people are literally worshiping the idol of science. Now I'm not saying we should ignore science. I think science. And it's cool to see because God obviously uses science. I think so too as well. I think science, when you look at it, actually at least points towards some kind of divine being, right? Like, I think that's true. So I think actually science is great and, and, but, but it is not divine and it is not all knowing and it is not, uh, completely objective either. John, uh, one of our, um, attenders at the church was asking a question. Tom, uh, it's Tom Noble from yeah, our church. Yeah. I, uh, he has a question and, and I didn't completely understand where it was coming from, but maybe you can explain. Okay. It says that Jesus tells a woman not to hold on to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, this is in John chapter 20, yeah. uh, to him because he's not yet been glorified. Um, yeah. but later invites Thomas to examine his wounds. What was the, what was he kind of getting out with that? Yeah. So do you, know, do you know the passage? You want me to yeah, pull it up? Or? No, okay. I got it. I got it. You know, so you have you have a couple. Um, you have you have a couple things in in that passage, right? You have, uh, and they're both found in John twenty, actually. Um, but you have Jesus is with Mary, and um, he, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic. Uh, uh, I, which means teacher. Jesus said, "Do not hold on to me." For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to the Father. And then just a few verses later, you know, down in, four, in, in 24 through 29, it talks about uh, Jesus appears to Thomas, who, who, who basically said, um, you know, they, Th- Thomas said, um, the d- disciples tell him, hey, we have seen the Lord. And then, and then he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers, finger where the nails were and put my hand into, into his side, I will not believe. Um, and a week later, Jesus appears and, and, and then says to Thomas, this is what Jesus says in, in verse 27, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Right. So the question is, I think what Tom is driving at is, is why does it, why does he seem, why does he seem to say, don't touch me because I've not been glorified, but it's actually talking about ascending to the father. And so it's not so much. So I think sometimes the perception is that there's a change in the body or somehow between, and, and that change hadn't taken place, but I don't think that's at all what it's saying. I think it's saying, uh, I think it's initially saying when Mary, it's saying it's don't grasp me, don't hold on to me. So, so the word, um, the word that's, that's used there, um, is apto or opto. And, and it, and it can mean to just touch like I, like I, you know, 
like just a normal touch or can be, mean to grasp or to cling or to hold, right? And so and so I think what Jesus is saying, look, I have to go to be the Father. You can't hold on to me. You can't cling to me. You can't keep me here with you because I've got to go be go be with the Father. So I don't think it's a I don't think that what's being commented about is the physical body. I think Jesus was resurrected physically. The grave is empty. Which by the way, I went to two graves when I was in Israel in July, two graves. One is there's a couple different uh, options as far as where they think Jesus might have been buried. They were both empty. I just thought that you know that. Okay, good. Um, I didn't find any bodies in either one of them. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean they're the right ones, and I know that. I'm saying that a little bit yeah. lightheartedly. Um, but, um, you know, but there's there's an empty grave. We, we have that. Anyways, but she, so so he rose from the dead. He rose physically. Otherwise, there wouldn't be an empty grave, right? Mm-hmm. If, and, and, and even if the bones had deteriorated for today and, and everything had gone away today, at that time, the grave would not have been empty, right? So they would have been, see, Jesus is right there. There's his body. Yeah, we Resurrection see it. thing taken not care real. of. It's not real. But there was an empty grave. And so that physical body was resurrected. It, it was done immediately. And so I think what's happening here with Mary is, is, is Jesus saying, don't hold on to me. I've got to go be with the Father. I have a purpose. I have a mission. Yeah. yeah and, I and I've got to go you. away. I uh-huh. can't stay with you. And what he's doing with, with, with Thomas, it was a confirmation of here's the evidence that I've actually risen from the dead physically. You can, you can examine the body. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, well, you already rec- uh, recommended a resource. I think it was Blomberg's. Um, book. Yeah, Blomberg's book on the, on the reliability of the, of the New Testament, I think, is, is excellent. Probably one of the best ones out there right now. Any other books you recommend or resources? Yeah, yeah there's anything Gary Habermas or Mike Lacona has written on the resurrection will be excellent. One of the things that if you're, if you're into more of a story, um, you like stories as opposed to just kind of giving like a narrative. Give, yeah, like a, more, a little bit more of a narrative. Mike Lacona wrote a book called Paul Meets Muhammad, which is the Apostle Paul and, and Muhammad, the a Muslim prophet, right? Mm-hmm. The, 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 the founder of Islam. And so, and they have this debate about the resurrection. And so, and so it's a kind of a story. It's a narrative of that debate. Fictional, liber- fictional debate. Yeah. Some liberties. So, yeah. Of course. Yeah, well, but yeah. it gives, but it gives the evidence for the resurrection hmm. and, and in that, in that. So that one, um, is, is really, really good and, and, and a little bit more of a fun read. So, yeah. And then both Habermas and Lacona will, will present kind of a minimal facts type argument, pretty similar to what I did on, on Sunday. So John, what's the big idea? What's the big takeaway this week? Well, I, yeah, I think, I think the, I think the big takeaway is this, that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Our faith is based on history. So let's, let's worship him. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.